0: Welcome, 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 and welcome to The Adventure of an Entrepreneur, the podcast that dives deep into the world of entrepreneurship. Here, we hear the stories of walking through fire, setbacks that have happened, how you overcame. We're not just hearing the stories of the highs, we're also hearing the lows. In this episode, I interview Jeff Fenster, the CEO and founder of ever bowl and he has a podcast called the jeff Fenster show if you found this podcast super helpful make sure to leave a review and share it with a friend
1: hey. hey how are you
0: i'm doing amazing how about yourself
1: i'm doing great thank you
0: hey 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 you sound like you're in a better mood today than you <laughs> were the other day
1: a <laughs> little bit yes
0: okay well that's a good thing then while we're waiting for a few people to get on, how's your day been going so far?
1: Amazing. My day's been amazing. How about yours?
0: It is a little bit better than amazing as well. Thank you for asking. So, Of course. Let's get this party started. Welcome, everybody that's joining us tonight. My guest here. Some of you know who he is. Some of you don't. He is the founder and CEO of Everbowl, partner to Model Citizen Fund, and his number one business role is make friends and have fun. I totally can relate to that. So let me introduce myself. My name is Sri, and I'm the owner of Next Level Consulting. I love interviewing different entrepreneurs from different industries, hearing what works and what doesn't. So let's get into Jeff's awesome journey. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up?
1: San Diego, born and raised.
0: Ooh. I've never nice. been there before. Where are you from? I am from the, well, I, I live in Houston, Texas, but I was born in New Orleans. I've lived all over from the East Coast. I claim Miami is home, so the Southern flair that meets the gangster comes out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> So, so we have a lot of high schoolers that come and view my page because I have a daughter that's in high school and I volunteer a lot there. And How old's your daughter? She is 18.
1: Oh, uh-huh. congrats. I have, my, I have a 15 and a nine-year-old.
0: Congratulations. And Thank some you. of you may not know this, but I realize that your wife and I share something in common. We have the same birthday.
1: Oh, October 27th.
0: Yes. Yes. So that's why, you know great women. <laughs> They're born out. of I'm just saying. <laughs> so when you were in high school, you found a loophole and started working not just for one job, but two jobs. Can you tell us what that experience taught you?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, it first it taught me the requirement on how to juggle a lot of things because um, I had a call a uh, class in high school that was basically you're supposed to get an internship or a job and you go get some credits for college. And, uh, I figured why not make a bunch of money. And so I got an outside sales job selling T one lines, business to business and didn't really tell them that I was in high school. And so I was getting college credit, making a lot of money, but I had to juggle going to a morning meeting before school, going to my first period class that I had to go to and then go out and sell so I could perform. And so it forced me to multitask kind of everything that's going on in life and juggle between, work and school and extracurriculars and all of that and make sure I delivered all of them at the highest level. And so that was really a great learning experience for me on just juggling lots of stuff because I feel a lot of people find that they get overwhelmed while they're dealing with when they bring on a lot of new things or they're tasked with a lot of new tasks, they get overwhelmed. And so figuring out how to do all of those at the highest level is very important. And I think that was what I learned during that high school period.
0: That's amazing. I mean, in that time did your parents know that you were out here working like two jobs going to school?
1: No, not necessarily. <laughs> maybe maybe that was a little bit of a secret I kept from them.
0: <laughs> That's a really an amazing secret. So <laughs> now I am just kind of interested. How did your parents not realize that you were making all this money? Cuz how did you hide the fact that you were cuz you were buying stuff, weren't you?
1: Well, so I mean, I, I was saving and buying stuff, sure. But they knew I also had another job. I, I was the manager at a pizza, a community pizza place, Pazzo's Pizza. So they didn't know how much money I had. And, you know, it was the 90s. It was a different time. It wasn't like you had all these digital apps where you had parental oversight on a lot of things. You know, you get a check, you cash and I have cash, how are you going to know about it? And there was no PayPal. There was no online phone apps to see my bank account. So it was it was a, definitely a more private life back then than it is now, but um, I was able to hide stuff pretty well.
0: Tell me about it. I grew up in the 90s with the Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs>
0: and Mob Deep.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: You know, it, what is it, Gangstar, one of my favorites.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so after graduating, you complied to making your parents proud because, I mean, you are Jewish and I am Indian. So I totally get it. Our parents are all about you have to get a job. You have to that's career. that's your life, career, career. You don't do something outside of this line that's here. Mm-hmm. So I I know you wanted to become a lawyer because you wanted to become a sports agent and you realized this wasn't for you. How did you get introduced to the payroll service company that you started working for?
1: Well, my mom and dad, had, just to reiterate, they, they were very clear. I could do whatever I want as long as I was a doctor, lawyer, or accountant. So it was pretty much you get to pick one of these three paths. Um, all three of those seemed like hell to me. Uh, nothing I was ever going to be able to do. <clears throat> but I wanted to be a professional sports player. I love sports. I played sports my whole life. And so being a sports agent seemed like the best way to kind of stay connected to the industry without the skills of being an athlete and being able to continue to play. So um, – So that's why I went to law school to be a sports agent. When I was in my third year of law school, I got engaged and we had a daughter and and just I didn't want to travel the world and I didn't want to be always away representing grownups. I wanted to be home and present with my kids. So um, when I graduated, I didn't know what, what I was going to do. And a friend of mine was working at ADP, the payroll company, and said, hey, Jeff, you're great in sales. Why don't you come get a sales job at ADP? And so they got me an interview. I interviewed. I got the job. And so I started just trying to figure out how I was going to start paying off law school loans. And start supporting my family and figure out what was next. And so that was really just, it was meant to be just a stopgap and just to figure out what my career was going to be because I had no idea. Um, and obviously I was getting a lot of pressure at home to go be a lawyer, even though I didn't want to be.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if you don't like, if you don't have that calling, it's just the curiosity. And mm-hmm. then it's just, does- you just do it just to do it. But when that's you right. have the calling, that's when you know you're in your purpose and you're living it. And I kind of like found realized after I was looking you up and hearing your story that at one point, you know, you just did it. You were like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to get paid this money. I'm not going to get paid until July. So what intrigued you to start in payroll? You could have started any company, but why did you pick payroll services?
1: Well, because I was the number one, my six months at ADP, I, the first six months I was there, I was the number one sales rep in the country and I made six figures in six months. I was very successful. I built these relationships. I understood the game. And so, you know, this was, again, this was uh, 2005 or six, two 2006 at the time. Um, and it wasn't as easy to learn new things. It wasn't like we had as many options and the word entrepreneurship an entrepreneur really wasn't existing back then it was business owner because you were you know hey I'm an accountant I'm gonna start my own accounting firm or or whatever and I just didn't know what else to do so I was like well I can sell this shit out of payroll so why not start a payroll company and just go bring over all those clients I sold and a but i had gotten a buddy of mine a job at ADP as well uh, one of my best friends Brian and I said hey Brian why don't we leave this company and go start our own our own company and Neither of us knew anything about running a company, obviously, and we didn't have you know, YouTube to go learn from. Um, <laughs> but that was the idea. The idea was I just got trained how to sell payroll. I know how to sell it. He knows how to sell it. We have clients. We have the understanding. There is a need. And this was the perfect situation because we were fortunate to be in the industry at the time when everything was in paper. I mean, when I, start, when I was selling payroll, it was like you could fax your hours in, if, for those of you online, if you don't know what a fax is. Uh, Look it up. It's archaic machine, Uh, but you could fax, call in or or email uh, your hours in or use a digital time clock that would feed into the system. But H.R. and payroll as as overarching themes just weren't really digitized yet. Everything was still manual. And so uh, we started our payroll company and then we learned and recognized really quickly the, the opportunity to be on the cutting edge of digitizing the human resource side of business. And so that's what we did. And and we went from just running payroll to creating what what we called an HRIS or our human resource information system where everything was online from hire to fire. And what we all take for granted now uh, where you can log into your app and do all this, it wasn't app driven. It was computer driven, but it was similar. And then as the cell phones became more prevalent and the iPhone was created, then we created an app and we were able to leverage all that.
0: And today this is the same company that's, actually what you use for all your companies with all your employees
1: no nope. we sold we sold the company to another company and then they absorbed all of our clients and um my company no longer exists
0: <laughs> ah very true because so, you that's okay. business with it's okay because that's what you are you know you build something and then you keep moving on to the next because yeah. i learned that you're in it for the thrill and <laughs> I kind of have this question because you talked about relationship capital. When did this, when did you learn that this was really important?
1: Well, I I mean, fortunately I have mentors that, and I observed it my whole life. And I think my older self more recently, I've I've been able to coin it relationship capital. I'm actually my, my book's coming out next month on relationship capital. It's called relationship bank account. Um, And I better understand the power and how to use it. And people who, who are curious as to how I'm able to get success very quickly in industries with no experience. It is relationship capital. It is my secret sauce besides hard work. It's one that everyone needs or should start developing today. And you know this, whether I have to tell you or not, it's always who you know, not what you know. And we've all seen examples where so-and-so got the job because of who they know, or so-and-so got this opportunity because they're friends with so-and-so. And you start to observe these traits that seem to happen where people who know the right people get lucky and I wanted to get lucky and I wanted to start building out those relationships. So I started making more friends and really trying to expand my network, which we call networking, but do it in a way that was powerful and meaningful and then figure out how to take that and then leverage it into immediate success. So when I started my payroll company, I leveraged my relationship with one of my longest mentors, David Meltzer, and said, Dave introduce me to as many people as you know, who have businesses because I want to sell them payroll. And Dave opened up his Rolodex and introduced me to all of these people. And then they met with me. I was able to close the business and I grew my own personal company very quickly. Well, that's how we were able to go from day one being a 24-year-old, 25-year-old, 24-year-old who started his own company to, um, to being a six-figure business and a seven-figure business really, really quickly. It was, yeah, I know how to sell payroll. Yeah, of course, we, we're going to have the right dialogue but it's a lot easier when I have warm leads and I have people who are willing to sit down with me. And that right there is the power of relationship capital and how I was able to use it. And I would spent my whole life and I still do nurturing it.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And for those who are joining, we're here with Jeff and he's just sharing his journey. We're kind of getting into now, you know, what is relationship capital? And if some of you want to know, here's a tip, the secret, how I get, people to come onto my life because this guy here could be doing a whole lot of stuff because he's making an investment right now by sharing his time and valuable information how did I do it is because I just started following him and I really loved his message and I just would communicate and in the end when the opportunity presented itself I just went for it I mean I was like what's the worst he's gonna say no and I'll just keep moving Mm -hmm. that's it but I've also learned no today means no today but tomorrow could be yes so I could
1: be super cool.
0: 100% for all I know. I could be super cool six months from now and he'd be like, yeah, let's do this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and same thing, right? I mean, you know, I don't care if there's one person watching this or a thousand people. My goal is not to, I don't care about the numbers. I want to, I want to connect and, and meet as many individuals as I can with no agenda. Right. I mean, I don't want or need to know how a relationship is going to benefit me today for me to take, The investment and make the investment into the human side, right? What's up, Jake? Um, And, and the whole concept is, for me has been one human at a time, building out good quality relationships and leading with value, right? So like, because, and we'll use this interaction, you asked me to come on today, uh, I said, yes, I'm not asking for anything in return. And one day in some time in the future, I may ask, hey, you know what, I want to get three on mine. I want, I want something so I'm going to reach out to you and, and you may say yes because I did this today or you may have said yes anyway but my investment of time to get to know you is what I care about and if we can impact others and inspire others along that journey then we're doing the right thing and I promise you uh, as I tell my kids in the entire world of six seven eight billion people there's probably a hundred that actually give any type of real shit about you um, and when you think about how small that circle is if you can add one more person to that that sphere that's huge that's a serious, serious growth. And the more people who know you and care about you and, and feel that you care about them, the, the bigger and more powerful you become and the less barriers you have to really grow yourself both professionally and personally. And so, you know, it goes back to my two rules which you let off with, which is make friends and have fun. And if we do that every day, um, it's amazing how, how much opportunity kind of presents itself and how lucky you become in life and, and just being around good people. And that's, that's, that's truly the one of the secrets to success, if I could share it.
0: I love it. And if somebody could type in the comment box, make friends and have fun, that would be awesome. That's a great takeaway. Like, I I saw that the first time when I came to your page and I was like, yep, this is a dude. I'm going to bring him on somehow, <laughs> some way. He's going to be my best friend. <laughs> so I wanted to go into, you know, when we get into what you do, from Everbowl to all the businesses that you own. So kind of like get into those, ser- do you do other services? So tell us about you and your businesses.
1: Well, I mean, at, at my core, I'm, I'm, I'm a husband and father. I mean, that's first and foremost, I, you know, my family's the most important thing to me, but professionally um, I'm a serial entrepreneur and it doesn't mean I eat cereal every day, but it means that I love startups and I love starting new companies and I love finding opportunities that I can build something around. and. I have a good understanding of my strengths and my weaknesses now Uh, it took me years to to better understand myself um but one of my biggest strengths is also my biggest weakness and and one would argue my biggest weakness is that um i have add or entrepreneurial add and and i don't do the same thing for 30 or 40 years which would have made me bad at a career right i wouldn't go work for a company for 30 years i couldn't that's just not who i am i would i would get I would get overwhelmed with uh, anxiety and just not, I wouldn't thrive. And so, you know, that was scary to my family and scary to my support group early on because back then that's the way you grew your career. Um, And so I turned my weakness into my biggest strength, which is, well, wait, I could be a serial entrepreneur, meaning I can start a company, I can grow and scale that company. And then I can either pass it off to another CEO to take my role as it gets to a certain point and I can go focus on something else or, I can vertically integrate more startups into it, which I do now. And it allows me to get back to the building phase, that phase where we don't have an answer. Hey, what's up, Nikki? Um, And we're not sure what is the next step. Then that's where I love. I love problem solving. And I like when there's no experience and no blueprint and we're going to figure this out. And, you know, what's our goal? What's our challenge? Let's reverse engineer success. Let's go do it. All of that is what motivates me. And so Everbull is... What I'm focused on, it's my main business today. It's a craft superfood chain. For those of you who don't know, uh, we have 32 open locations in five states. We're opening another 26 in the next seven months, uh, 26 under development. We're coming to more states. We're franchising. Um, and, you know, it's been great. We, we provide craft superfood, acai bowls, pitaya bowls. It's all about this word unevolved, which you see there and on my shirt. It's my why. And it means to move and eat the way you were meant to, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Basically, your best for yourself, food and movies. And so, we're helping with the eating side by opening up EverBowl and making sure that EverBowl is available to everybody everywhere. What up, Josh? Um, and at the same time, to kind of appease my entrepreneurial ADD, I vertically integrated many components of that. So, I started my own construction company called We and we actually build out our own units. We have our own import company where we import and manufacture our own superfoods called Unevolved Products. We have our own clothing line where we sell Unevolved gear. Um, We also have a franchise arm where we're now franchising for the first time. And we have a direct-to-consumer model where we go on QVC and we sell direct uh, our later bowls where you can order our food and have it delivered to your house. All of that consumes my time. Um, and, and, And as a result of that, I'm able to continuously push and move the needle, grow my enterprise as we try to scale and grow. And I achieve everything I'm trying to do personally and professionally all all the while still growing the enterprise value of Everbolt, which we're trying to grow into a national brand.
0: And you also have like a university that you built within Everbolt, right? For your employees. And I remember you talking about your HR director came up and said, let's take this thought process and put into it. So Kind of like if I was to apply for a job I know to make sure to follow directions because you will tell me to come at like 752 with a red (laughs) paper clip with a pin on it and then what would it be like for me to go through that university?
1: Well, I wish I had more that I could. I'm not the architect of that. Brian Augustine, our chief development officer, he architects uh, Everbull University. And we're trying to modernize it and make it even more state-of-the-art. So we're leveraging uh, a friend of mine, Bradley, has a product called Lightspeed. If you don't know it, it's awesome for a content management and learning management system. Um, so we're digitizing and, and creating all of our university and trainings virtual. So we can make those available to people that are part of our sphere everywhere, anywhere that they are. But really it's about, can you make, it's following our five core values and then how to operate and run our stores. Um, And our five core values start with making friends and having fun and and understanding what that really means. Because when I say there's two rules to work at Everble, make friends and have fun. A lot of people don't really understand what I mean by that. And they say, well, that's fine, Jeff, but what are the real rules? Well, think about it. When you make friends, that means you treat customers and your coworkers a certain way because you're making friends with them and they're your friends and you treat friends in a very different way than you treat, strangers or foes and having fun means that you're going to approach your job with a positive upbeat attitude and bring your best self and smile right and smiles are contagious and making friends is contagious and we really weed out people who aren't about that life because if you're not if you're an introvert who doesn't like people you're not going to want to be around us because we're very outgoing we're very in your face trying to make sure that everyone's having a good time Um, and, and so it breeds the culture and the culture is so key, especially, you know, people sleep on culture, but it is one of the most important foundational pieces of successful companies. And then from there, the next three kick in of Kaizen to get 1% better every day, do it now, which means take immediate decisive action and be change ready because as COVID proved to those who were not sure that this one meant anything before COVID, uh, the world can change on a dime and you need to be change ready. And if you're not change ready as a human being, then unfortunately you'll, you, you could go extinct in your career and in, in your passion in your profession. Um, so it's very important that you be change ready. And those are our five core values. And we teach those in a very everable way. Um, and then how to, how to own how to run and operate our stores.
0: Now, Kaizen, how did you get introduced to Kaizen? Cause I thought that was pretty interesting. I looked it up because I was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And I had to look it up and understand, but for those who don't know what Kaizen is, how were you introduced and what is it?
1: Well, Kaizen is actually a, it's a Japanese term and and it's the idea of getting 1% better every day. Um, A lot of times we have very ambitious goals for improvement. Hey, I want to go from sitting on a couch all day to running a marathon. Well, that's very ambitious. How do you get there? Right? Well, the the way that I want part of my personal success formula is setting micro goals. And so micro goals is what are we accomplishing today? And as long as that goal today gets us 1% better, you're always improving and you're getting compounding effects and you become unstoppable and you actually grow and scale in ways that you, that you can't imagine. And Toyota really did this very well. And I'm a student, right? I, I Kaizen my own life and I'm always learning. And, um, and I'm not, <laughs> not, 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 not a coincidence RSD. Um, and, uh, and Kaizen is really about, about improvement, right? And it's, it's about consistently getting better every single day. And so I got introduced to the, the term, uh, I don't remember when, but, but just my own natural approach of setting micro goals just coincided with Kaizen and Kaizen is just an easier way to say it and it's so true on how it encapsulates everything that I'm trying to, you know, do. And what I think everybody should do, and if everyone gets one percent better at whatever they're trying every day, it's not a question of if; it's a matter of when you meet your goal, right? Um, and I'll, I'll throw another Daveism at you, R- RSD. But you know, as Dave says, um, you know, it, it's the it's the pursuit of your potential, right? But for me, it's about knowing that I'm going to be successful, and I'm going to be successful because I approach the world in, in the way I do. I set my own unrealistic or realistic expectation of the when. But the win is less important. I'm going to be successful at whatever I do because I'm going to get one percent better every day. I'm going to consistently improve. So whether I stumble today, tomorrow, or for the next five years, five years in one day, I'll be there. Fine, but I'll be there. And so once I got rid of personally in my own growth and development, once I got rid of the arbitrary confinements of time and saying I have to be there tomorrow, and because I'm not, I feel like I'm a failure or I'm not successful and I get discouraged. The day I stopped doing that and I just allowed the process to happen. And now I just know I'm going to be successful at whatever I try, whether I want to learn a new instrument, play a sport, learn a new language, start a business, make friends with the right people, get on the right podcast, meet the right human being, raise enough capital. doesn't matter what, get that next job, whatever it is. As long as you don't care when it happens, you just want it to happen and you put the effort to make it happen. It will happen. It's just a question of will you do the steps and will you be consistent Because consistency is the hardest thing for most people. Everyone starts strong and tapers off because they don't see results. Well, you don't see results because you set unrealistic expectations. So I know you didn't ask this question, but I have a success formula that has worked. And and part of it is what's called win stacking. And so for those of you who are listening or trying to understand the way you build momentum and gain the confidence and stay on track is you need to stack wins. Well, the only way to stack wins, putting one win on top of the other, is to have a micro goal that you can achieve. So if today, again, if I wanted to go from the couch to a marathon and I said, I'm gonna go run five miles today but I I don't run, I'm gonna fail. I'm not gonna be able to run five miles. So then I'm gonna be like, oh, I can't do it. It's impossible, I wasn't built for this. But what if today I just put my shoes on and watch TV with my running shoes on? Well, we won today. What if tomorrow I got dressed, put my shoes on and walked or ran to the mailbox? Okay, I can do that, done, two days in a row. Day three, I'm gonna walk or run to my next door neighbor's mailbox. And every day I went one more mailbox. Well, none of those are unobtainable. So if in four years from today, I was to tell you I was going to run 23,000 mailboxes, you'd be like, that's impossible. Today it is, but in four years, it's not, right? And how I've made up some number and the concept is very still the same, which is I'm never going to lose my consistency because I only need to go one more mailbox every single day. And as silly as that sounds, that same thing should be applied to every area of your life. Because when you do that, you stack wins. And when you stack wins, you build confidence. And when you're confident, you stay consistent. And when you're consistent, you win. And that's, that's the success formula.
0: I, I couldn't write it all down, but I know I will watch the replay, (laughs) but I get the, I get the concept because it's just like these lives. My very first lie, which is almost, you know, in April, it's going to be one year. I exactly thank you. I actually said this. I said, it doesn't matter if I'm just using a globe and a, a jewelry box, I'm going to make this work. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this. And before I know it, I have a light stand. And here we are, 60 plus interviews later. <laughs> but I just said, I'm going to keep doing it. Even my mm-hmm. interviewing skills have gotten better. I would, I'm now like interviewing my daughter, my friends. They all hate talking to me. But I, I always look at every instance that I talk to somebody as an opportunity to get better and to understand mm-hmm. something new. Which brings me to my next question. And for those who are just joining, my name is Sri, and this is Jeff, and he's sharing all these wonderful gems. And if you have questions, definitely send them into that little question, you know, question box, so I we can I can ask them to Jeff. When you thought about doing Everbull, you were looking at the market, and in an interview you mentioned, I think it was David, where you said that you actually waited. A while before you went to market with it. So my question is, is like, how long do you wait to go into market with a product or with the service or something?
1: So um, I think maybe there was a little confusion. I waited in the sense that I, I actually tried to buy a juice shop a year before Everbull. Um I made an offer and they wanted way too much money, um, and so I waited because I didn't have the right opportunity. Then with Everbull specifically, I was in Poway, California, visiting a client right. from my digital marketing agency that I was just had sold. And I was winding down and we were transitioning. And I went into Smoothie King to get a smoothie. And the owner of Smoothie King was taking equipment from the store to his car. He, he wasn't closed, but he definitely wasn't like open, open. He made me a smoothie and we just got to talking because I like to make friends with people. And he was in his late 60s. And he said to me, he's retiring at the end of the week, and this Smoothie King is closing. And I said, why didn't you sell it? And he said, because I was trying to sell Smoothie King, and I asked for too much money, and no one would buy it. And I was like, interesting. And he's like, but I was here for 20 years, and I built a nice business. I'm just going to retire and go spend time with my grandkids. And I was like, well, can I have the landlord's name and number? And he gave me the landlord's name and number. I reached out to the landlord. This was on a Wednesday. I signed the lease the following Monday. No idea what the name was going to be or how exactly the business was going to run, but the opportunity was there. And the opportunity was a smoothie shop, which is not exactly what we do, but very close, was successful for as long as it was in that location. So I knew that there was a market. I knew that, that there was already people that were going to come to this location to find plant-based foods and smoothies. Hey, what's up, Will? And so as a result of that, I took immediate decisive action and figured we'd figure out the rest. What up, JJ? As we go... Um, and that is how Everbull started. That's, that's kind of how it all got going.
0: Ah, so it's just really, you bought the, you bought those location was like, it's going to come to me. It's going to come to me. I'm just going to do it.
1: It's called just in time learning.
0: Uh, (laughs) That is a great way to uh, look (laughs) at it.
1: Yes. I learn what I need to know just in time. I meet who I need to meet just in time, but I take the steps every day to put myself in position to do those things.
0: Well, my next question is, is, you know, everybody wants to scale. So what are some tips that you would take? Like here I am a new entrepreneur and I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. But for some of us, we're like, okay, I'm going to make, I'm going to open today and I'm going to have a thousand locations tomorrow. <laughs> what are some things that we as newer entrepreneurs should keep in mind when it comes to scaling a business?
1: Um, It's, most people start the wrong way. They think about how do I go from one to a hundred? And that's very hard because at a hundred is very different than one. If I want to scale a business and you take Everbowl, I started with, I want a hundred. How do I get, how do I go backwards to one? Because a hundred, the problems you have at a hundred are very different than the problems you have at one. So I built the first one and it cost me $260,000 of my own money to build it. And plus I had all these other costs outside of construction. I'm like, wow, that's expensive. 100 times $260,000 is a lot of money, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm not worried about number two, I'm worried about number 100. So I realized, well, I need to build these things cheaper. So I started a construction company to help build my stores and spent a bunch of money in the construction side, more than the 250 grand to build a construction company to allow me the position to scale. So I was thinking about 100 and realized that in order to grow to 100, there's a lot of things that have to happen. One of them is reducing the cost of entry. That's the same reason why I went down to Brazil and started manufacturing and, and working on our supply chain so I could supply the food for 100 stores. I still don't have 100 stores, but I knew I'm going to get there. So I built the company for 100 and made decisions even at the beginning like I had 100 stores and that allowed two, three, four, ten, twenty, thirty 10, 20, 30 to come happen very quickly and very easily. Uh, nothing was easy, but easily compared to going the other way, which is, I would have built a second store and then a third store. And I brought Brian Augustine on before the second store opened. Um, And I brought him over from trade, you know, he was with Trader Joe's and, and he's our chief development officer. And one could argue, well, Jeff, you have 10 employees in one store. What do you need a chief development officer for Everboy university? Well, again, because we're going to have a hundred. So I was making decisions when I had one location, like I had a hundred, When most people who have one are are making decisions like they have one, and then they hit these real big challenges. Oh my God, we're spread too thin. We have three stores. I can't figure out how to get to my fourth store. So I can't raise the money. I can't find the right people. And so I was doing it the other way. I start with the scale in mind and work backwards. And that allows you to kind of figure out what you need to do to scale your business quickly and efficiently versus the other way.
0: It kind of helps you also see a shift, a mind shift, if I can say, because like you're not yep. thinking about just one. You're like, okay, well let me get past and see a hundred in mind and work myself backwards. And even along the way you're changing your mind. If you're starting to feel a fear or you're starting to feel something you start working on it. It's kind of like what I'm sa- seeing with you. Cause you mm-hmm. said, okay, I want to keep building. How can I make this work for me? I want to have these awesome ever bowl, coconut shaped bowls that I can sell eventually, or the beads with the, are from the seeds?
1: Acai seeds. Yeah. That's right. How can Uh, I make them and then
0: turning (laughs) it back and giving it back to the community?
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, and, and it's, it's about that, right? It's the seeds are trash to somebody else, but it's jewelry to us, right? And it's building the brand and it's just talking about the whole story and making sure that the whole thing works, right? Because... I'm 100% in on Everbull. Everything I do is regarding Everbull. So it's, you know, whatever business unit we're doing or whatever we're working on, it's all going back to serving our main focus, which is the growth of the Everbull chain and bringing Everbull to everybody. Um, Yes. Please send me some. Send send some.
0: Send them. I would love it.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'll send you some too.
0: I'm excited. I will Mm -hmm. wear it proudly. I was was being... I was trying to be cool and order a shirt, but I was going to get it too late. I wanted to wear the un because I think that was super cool because it does, Uh you know, I also see it this way. Like we've been, especially I'm an Indian woman, comes from very strict Indian family and they're like, you have to be married. You have to have this. And I (laughs) am none of that. I just have a kid. (laughs) We run the world thinking that we're going to take it over. And so like, to be able to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to be the traditional way. I'm going to do things that's going to work for me and for my daughter. But I'm not going to go down that route because we actually have some questions for you. So the first sure. one is from Luke. When did you start your business?
1: Uh, Everble started in October 2016. So uh, about f- just over four years ago.
0: Mm. And Will. Hey, Will. How much what debt up, did Will? How much debt did you get into when you started Everbowl?
1: So I didn't get into any debt. Um, I was fortunate to have sold some companies before and be in a financial position to not go into debt. So I don't, I don't like debt, and I didn't take in any debt. Um, so zero. I self funded the first four stores before raising any capital. Uh, we brought in some external capital. We've raised millions of dollars, obviously, over the last few years, but uh, zero debt.
0: How, okay, RSD, Will, how does developing the processes for building 100 stores help the individual store improve?
1: Uh, Lots of ways. Because when you think about scaling and you think about uh, amortizing expenses, so so me going down to Brazil and sourcing my own ingredients and, and doing that allows me to reduce my cost of goods because I'm taking out the middleman or middlewoman company and I'm providing the food to myself at a cheaper price point which means my co- my COGS or my cost of goods sold goes down at the individual store level. Second, because we're scaling and, and people can see the investments we're making to scale and grow to 100, we're attracting better talent because talent wants opportunity. And so if I only had one store and I had only plans on building a second store, I don't get Brian Augustine to join my team. I don't get Eric Hansen to join my team. I don't get Matt Delson back when he was with me or, or Brett Meltzer or, or the guys and girls that have... And, the Haley's and KK's and Nicole's who have grown and and developed with us to stay with us because we're just a one or two restaurant chain. So, so they're like, well, this is, this is fun, but this wasn't, I don't see much. There's not a lot of opportunity and I'm too ambitious for that. So because we're, we have the scale in mind, they're seeing the story, they're hearing and seeing the investments we're making with construction and unevolved products and uh, unevolved gear and the franchise side and all of the different things we're doing. And they're recognizing, Oh my gosh, there's a ton of opportunity So now we're not only attracting world-class talent, we're retaining world-class talent. And that is the most important thing. I mean, as nice as it is that I'm sitting here today, um, I'm standing, I'm sitting here today because I'm standing on the shoulders of so many incredible people that has grown and allowed everybody to get to this stage. While I might set the direction of the ship, um, there are so many amazing people I get to work with every day and I'm fortunate and blessed to be around them, so
0: you you built a team that sees your vision and sees your leadership so that's what's driving them even if it's not in front of them I mean I could see it because now I'm wondering so you go down and you procure your own fruits and and get your bowls and your seeds and so now I'm like do you have a shipping company too
1: <laughs> no uh we tried we did I used to I used to self-distribute uh when we had 13 and 15 stores we bought freezer trucks and Built a big freezer and I spent a ton of money and that was a big colossal mistake. But that's part of it. I mean, thinking that there aren't losses—what we would call losses—I uh, I like to call them learning opportunities—but losses along the way is naive, and, and I don't want to sugarcoat it for anyone. I mean, the amount of things we try that don't work. I launched a kefir business. Uh, it's water kefir, so it was a probiotic drink called K2O. We launched it 2017. I bought a company, I tried to create, I created my own flavors. I thought they were delicious. Everyone who tried them thought they were delicious. We scaled it out through our restaurants. It didn't work. People just didn't buy it. That was money sunk, lesson learned. But again, I don't let that derail me. And I didn't, the company doesn't let that derail us. If you're not, if you're not trying and you're not failing, then you're not growing and, and you have to do that. And the number one thing that we forget is how to learn. And it's funny, adults have it backwards. Like you'd think as adults, we'd have it figured out. We don't. Mm-hmm. Kids do. And, and if, you, if you forget or lose focus on what you need to do to be successful and, and get better, look at kids. Kids try things all the time. Little toddlers, they, they stumble. They try to crawl and they try to walk and they fall and they fall and they fall. And if we quit, if kids quit as easy as adults quit, no one, none of us would be walking or talking or playing any sports or riding any bikes. But the fact is, kids don't quit they keep doing all of those things until they learn and figure out how to do it. And they Kaizen themselves. And then that's why we all can walk and talk and, and do all the things. What's up, Letty? Or is that, La- is that Letitia?
0: Letty Joy 4. I,
1: I can't see the picture.
0: Ah, uh, she's got blonde anyway. hair. <laughs> We're all trying to figure out who is this person.
1: <laughs> um, and, and at the same time, Um, that's kind of the easiest thing to do is to remember that kids tell us and teach us everything we need to know on how to, how to get better and improve. And so, um, so that's really kind of how, how, you know, you got to go back to, you got to go back to that mindset and say, okay, so what we tried something, it didn't work. It's business, like big deal, fail fast, fail quick, keep going. It's just another, guess what? It's another thing. I mean, the light bulb was like 3000 failures later, the light bulb, you know, and, and so many things and so many amazing things are, are created and developed and built by people who just don't quit. And so don't look at the fact that you may have tried something four times and failed all four times and say, I can't do it. It's just not true. It's bullshit. You just haven't done it yet. Uh, keep working at it. Keep trying, keep going and you will get there. And um, you'll keep, you might learn a lot of ways that don't work before you learn the way that does, but that's okay. I mean, that's, that's part of the process. And if you don't love the process, and you don't love the end, then you won't get there. But as long as you're passionate and you and you put your, your heart behind it, you'll achieve it.
0: I agree, I agree. Hey, Tuan Impact Coach. Uh, for those joining, this is Jeff. My name is Shree. We're just gonna get into right now. a One quote that I loved is fail fast, fail forward. I'm all about that because every day I try to find something so that I can try. <laughs> and let's just say today was that day I woke up I didn't even get a chance to brush my teeth because I was like, oh, I got to go fix some things that I did that did not work, but it's okay. My sales team still loves me. We're still happy. We're still going. We're all good. Yes. I have a question about QVC. Now, the art of the pitch, that kind of goes back to your days of sales. What's it like being on there and like standing behind the table? And Does it bring back memories of being a sales
1: rep? (laughs) Uh, no, cause I, I, I had a unique way of selling. I, I don't like to sell you. Um, I'm actually going to try to, I'm just going to tell you about it. I'm going to be passionate and you're either going to fall in love with it or you're not. Um, you know, when we sell Everbowl franchises, I tell every single franchisee I speak to, let's find a reason not to move forward. And if we can't, let's move forward. So pick it apart on your side. We're going to pick it apart on our side and we're going to look for reasons that we shouldn't continue this process. And if neither of us can find it, then there's our answer. And it's, it's basically solution based selling. And it's the idea that same thing on QVC. Like they ask me questions about our product or services and I don't have to like prepare. I mean, I know my business so well. So what is acai? I can tell you what's this. I can tell you. So I'm a student of my own business. I know it very well and I'm going to articulate it probably in a very good passionate way because I'm passionate about it. And so if that doesn't inspire you to pick up the phone and call QVC and buy that product, then that's okay. No big deal. Um, but hopefully, a few people do, and luckily for us, a lot of people do, and um, you know, come visit Ineverable. And if you don't like our food, that's okay too. But again, I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to convince you to do something you don't want to do. I'm trying to show you a way. And if I can inspire you to make and take decisive action and make a better choice for yourself, um, you should. And the good thing about Ineverable and what makes me so proud to to have this company and to do what I'm doing and what keeps me going is. Every single customer who eats our food is healthier for for it and you're making a good choice. You're being a best version of yourself. You're going to not deal with all the issues that people deal with when you make bad choices, right? So the idea of of getting to your best version of yourself by eating real food that's been around forever is what we're here to do and, and take away the excuses and make it to where it's affordable, filling, delicious, and accessible. And when you start eating healthier, you're going to feel better. And when you feel better, you're going to perform better. When you perform better, you're going to have more success in life. When you have more success in life, you're going to be happier. And all of that can start with by making a better choice today of moving your body and eating real food. And um, that's the that's the message I try to get across on QVC and behind the table. And, you know, um, it resonates.
0: I I'm all a believer for eating better foods and eating healthy. I mean, even when I saw the later bowls, I was like, oh, so I can bring it to Texas.
1: Yay!" And we're going to be opening stores in Texas. What up, Ben?
0: Well, that's exciting. I hope they're in Houston. Otherwise, I mean, my daughter's thinking of going to college in (laughs) Lubbock. So those are my options.
1: Yeah. Texas Tech.
0: Yes. Absolutely. I mean, we're still waiting for Texas A&M. but I don't know, but we're she's pretty stuck on Texas Tech. So we'll see what happens. I
1: very good friends who went to Texas Tech. I, I think that's a great school.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. That's that's heartwarming to know. <laughs> <laughs> and as and going back to eating healthy, like I'm forty one, so I everything's a lot yes. different now. Like I went for a test and they said I had high cholesterol. So that means like every, even though as hard as I work out, your diet's really important and what do, what you eat. For those who are on here who are really young, you take that advantage for advantage. And when you get older, you're like, oh, this is, this is real. So having somebody like you who has a product out there that is accessible, even if you can't go to a location, you can order on QVC, you can order from the website, the later bull comes and it gets shipped to you. So that's really awesome that you have that. We actually have a question that came in, so we'll let that
1: come. Uh-huh. that's a great question how do you describe the flavor of acai I'm going to ask it for you um, it's actually if you eat it fresh in Brazil which you can't get here it doesn't have a very strong flavor actually it's, it's, it's not uh, it's not exactly what you expect and they eat it more warm um, they don't mm-hmm. eat it frozen and cold like we have to uh, acai degrades really quickly so the reason you can't go to the grocery store and get fresh acai is uh is because it dies it, it it won't survive like it's not like a blueberry that can be off the off the off of the stem for very long um and so we freeze it it's frozen down in brazil and shipped you know iqf frozen um and that's why we eat it cold so the flavor is going to be more it's a little bit bitter it's a little bit what you mix with it a lot of people struggle to make it taste good at home when they buy fresh acai so we mix it with other product, other ingredients to help bring out the flavor, um, but it's more like a berry. I mean, it, it's a non-sweet blueberry, if you will. That's that's how I'm going to answer that. <laughs> or you should just order some Everbowl and give it a try, and you tell me what it tastes like.
0: I definitely will. <laughs> Thought we had a question that came in. Now, for somebody who's thinking about starting a business or or in the game and still new, what, what are some lessons that you learned that you wish somebody would have told you beforehand?
1: Um, if you're going to run and grow a company to a big size and scale, it can be a bit lonely. Um, the lonely factor of it because you don't really have any peers uh, inside the organization, right? So, you know, at our peak, we had over 400 plus employees um and everybody's an employee except me which changes the dynamic and and it's a little bit lonely there's no blueprint when you're scaling and building your own company there's no like hey who do i talk to to help me and no one really understands all the nuances of the company except the person in charge or the executive team so uh that that would have been you know back when i started my first company that would have been uh what i would have wanted to better understand um and and not not that it's a bad thing I mean there's it's just the facts of the position and I probably could have approached it better and it took me a long time to better understand that um also the ego you know I had a very very big ego when I started out and I felt like I had to come up with every idea in the company I had to be the brains behind everything and if I didn't get the credit for it and take the credit for it then um I might be a fraud and some my team would think that they're better at the job than me and why am I in charge and um, I lacked the confidence to be a good leader. So I wasn't a very good leader early on in my entrepreneurial days back in, you know, my first few companies. Um, and I tried to compensate that by just sheer hard work and, and outwork people. But what I came to realize is no, 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 I had to lose the ego. And the day I did that and recognized that I can attract and surround myself with brilliant, great people. And, and they're the reason that we're going to be successful because each of us have a role to play and I need to hire and fill my gaps with incredible people, um, my company's really skyrocketed. And, and, you know, I went from, from making good money to making incredible life-changing money. And my businesses went from impacting some to impacting a ton and and it became sellable. And, and that was a big step for us and for me personally. And now I like to be the dumbest guy in the room and surround myself with incredible people who are better at all the functions than me. And if I'm the least talented, least qualified human on the team, then we're gonna be very good. And fortunately, I can say that I am surrounded by incredible incredible people and they're so talented at so many things. And as I said earlier, I'm just fortunate and blessed to, to be around them.
0: Go team, go,
1: <laughs> go team, go.
0: When now many of us have people that influenced us, who are the three most influential individuals in your life or so far have been influential in your life?
1: Like just period,
0: just period. Like,
1: uh, well, first, first has been Kobe Bryant. Uh, he, I grew up watching Kobe Bryant, and the truest definition of of proof that someone who really maximized their potential and left it all there, and and you know answered the the question that all of us ask ourselves, but very few of us ever get the answer to, which is how good can I be at this? Because I'm going to give it everything I've got. And to watch a human being give everything they've got to a sport, and they, and I would have answered this the same way before he passed away. And yes, he passed away last year, which. Makes it even more impactful that he's gone now, but um, what he did both on the basketball court and then post basketball career, how he then created a short story that that won an Emmy and um, or you know and and he he has proven that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, and the fact that he has talent to go with it is even better. Um, so definitely number one for me, you know. There's so many parts of my life that I've I've tried to mirror after kobe Bryant, and when it, when times get tough I, I just remember like hey hard work work hard uh number two is my longest mentor and a guy david Meltzer, who i mentioned earlier um he's basically my brother from another mother we've been together in one way or another since i was four years old and he was in high school um we're co-writing a book we just finished the last chapter uh it's going to come out next uh, 2021 not next year this year um we're not in december anymore And uh, David Meltzer has taught me and shaped me and challenged me and loved me in so many ways. And, you know, because we've been together since he was a teenager, I helped him become in some ways the mentor that he is now and uh, challenged him. And, you know, and so I wouldn't be who I am today without without his influence and guidance in and around me. And then finally, uh, my mom, you know, she's a she's a true prototypical Jewish mother. So she's in your shit, a hundred percent and pushes you, uh, forced me to, even when I didn't want to, to, to recognize what I had to do and, and make sure that I accomplish what needs to get accomplished. And then I can focus on what I want. And so even when I hated school, it was get good grades because that creates opportunity. And, um, you know, just someone who loves you unconditionally and, and doesn't judge you for anything, but just wants the best for you. Um, you know, that has been an inspiration for me. So those are the three people.
0: They're amazing. Three people. Well, yeah. I know that, uh, mom is always number, number one for a lot of people. Well, in yes. this case, it was the other way around. Well, she, she's okay. three
1: for business for, I mean, cause I, I was assuming you meant in business. So, um, but she did shape me in business. If it was personal, uh, she would, she would have been number one and my wife would have been number two and my kids would have been number three.
0: Oh, there's mm-hmm. always, always the kids and the wife. Always. yeah, of course. <laughs> When you're not Jeff Everbowl who's or Jeff in charge of Everbowl and all this other stuff, what do you like to do for fun?
1: Um, I like to and there's my wife right there. What's up, babe? Um, I like to do lots of things. I love sports. Um, I love trying new things. And uh, what's up, Steve? Um, you know, I, I'm I, I'm a student of new things. I, I love the challenge of learning. Um, I like to master things, but I'm more more likely going to try something new um i love tennis right now and and sports and working out and exercise and travel um snowboarding and doing those things and hanging with my kids Uh, this weekend i'm going snowboarding with my children i can't wait um and those kinds of activities for fun you know outgoing outdoors as best as possible I, i like to be active
0: are you part of the PTA when when you're not having to do anything related to business?
1: <laughs> no. Um <laughs> my my wife, my wife is the one who holds the fort down on that side. Um and she does the incredible job that I'm I probably don't have the patience for, but um but luckily she does. So it's about again, it's about mixing mixing and filling gaps and and we do that for each other very well.
0: Go wife go. <laughs> go
1: wife go. Yes.
0: And my very, very last question is how does one find you?
1: Find me socially. Uh, Social media is always easy at Fenster Jeff, as you can see from the handle somewhere on here. Um, And you can email me Jeff at com or hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, I'm very available and accessible to pretty much anyone who reaches out. I love, as I said, making friends and having fun. And, I like to lead with value. So if I can be of service to anyone watching or listening and you have a question or anything I can do to help or um, I know somebody you want to meet or, or whatever, um, I'm all about that. I think that, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all boats and we're in this together. And so if I can be of service, please don't hesitate to to reach out.
0: And you heard it, guys. If you're not following him, you can definitely click up here. There's a drop down and then you can follow Also, he told you where else you can find him. And if you want to get a bowl and you're not in a state that has it, you can get a later bowl on the website, everbowl.com. And for those of you, I would love for you to read my story. I have a book. Just DM me and I'll send you a copy. And last but not least, Jeff, what are your last words for us?
1: to be your best version of yourself. It's 2021. This is the time to do it. Stop putting off what you want to get done. Just remember, nothing gets done on someday. Uh, It just doesn't exist. So all the people say someday I'm going to stop that shit. There is no someday. It's today. Take immediate, decisive action. Use the concept of Kaizen. Get 1% better every day and make friends and have fun and you'll achieve it. And from there, you'll be your best self and be happy. And that's what everyone needs to, to go after.
0: Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for taking time. This has been wonderful. I cannot wait for you to get the replay. And until the next time, take care, everybody. Bye.
1: Thank you.